0: All right, uh, we're back for the attack via the phone and uh, Mark Vernon in the studio here. This is episode number 53 of the Car Guys Report, informed automotive, and we'll get this started here in three Two one.
1: This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID nineteen.
0: The Car Guys Report informed automotive is up next. But first, take a
1: listen to this other fine Opi show. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next, back to you. Do you remember your first kiss with your wife, Steve? Not your first kiss, but with your wife, your current wife. <laughs> Oh, not my first wife. <laughs> yes, <laughs> your first you wife. You remember your first kiss with your first wife? Well, we're just going to have to find out. We are on the next back to you. Can't wait. Yes, you can. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.
0: The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report's Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. We are the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And since we've been in lockdown, Lou, for the last uh, almost two months now, we're uh, doing assist a little bit differently. I'm live in the Car Guys Report studio, and you're eating Cheetos, drinking Diet Coke, and you're in your sweatpants at uh, Chate, Chateau Costable in uh, your remote location, and you're via the phone. So welcome, Lou remotely. Glad to uh, have you back.
2: Hey there, Mark. Good to be back.
0: Glad to have you back. Now, I'm sure you've been waiting, Lou, with bated breath about the latest on my fiat trials and tribulations. We've been talking about that the last uh, several episodes. Uh, Just to recap very quickly for our listeners. Um, I bought uh, my new Fiat uh, 500 uh, my 2019 Fiat 500 back in December when I traded my 2012 Fiat 500. And pretty much from the get-go, I had uh, coolant leaking. And we started calling it the P-A-Lot or the P's-A-Lot because it kept uh, leaving little deposits on my uh, driveway. And last time we got together, Lou, um, I had contacted uh, Fiat Executive Customer Service after getting uh, nowhere with their standard customers service and when you uh, contact executive customer service you're dealing with the people that ac- actually can make a difference sometimes in your problem so this is uh, going back a few weeks uh, the car went back for the sixth time for the same problem to the dealer the dealer had it for 19 days and lo and behold I've had it back now for about uh, f- three four weeks and it's dry the incontinence problem has been taken care of. So uh, the ultimate, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, The ultimate uh, resolution of the problem seems to be, as far as I've been able to put it together like this, when the car originally, when I brought it in the first time, for the coolant leak, the dealer uh, replaced the lower radiator hose because that's where it appeared that the uh, leak was coming from. And when they did that, they also started replacing the stock OEM spring type hose clamps with the standard worm uh, screw and worm type hose clamps that were all familiar with in 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 automotive uses for years because they said that they had issues with some of the spring-loaded clamps so what happened then long and short was because of the fact that they started replacing these uh hose clamps in different parts of the cooling system that started making it leak in areas that it wasn't originally leaking and they still hadn't discovered the original source of the leak so when I brought it back the sixth time, they, you know, were looking everywhere, and they finally identified what they thought was the only place it could be leaking that they had never even touched, and it was a, a coolant inlet pipe uh, to the turbochargers for the for the cooling uh, circuit for the turbocharger, and it's a, apparently it's a it's a rubber hose that goes into a metal. Uh, Tube, And they ordered that part, and they couldn't really find too much wrong with the part they took off. He said it, it didn't really seem like it was crimped or dented or anything, but they replaced that, and they went back and replaced all the worm and roller hose clamps that they installed with the standard spring uh, OEM spring-type clamps, and since then, the car's been totally perfect. So, it basically came down to the fact that they never identified the original source of the leak because if they would have, I probably wouldn't have been back to the dealer six times. Um, so, that was... Uh, it, it's good news, and again, I can only um, say that my experience with uh, Fiat Executive Customer Service was was very, very good. I would like to say thank you to Regina King, who was my... Uh, Customer uh, executive customer service uh, person that uh, assisted me with this. She had uh, kept on Fiat's back every day. She, she was always easy to get hold of. I had a direct line. And uh, since I had been through what I think is a lot, you know, first thousand miles of the car back to the dealer six times, I asked to get my warranty extended at no charge. And I did. So I have a seven year, uh, 85,000 mile warranty on my car now up You know, which is uh, three years and like thirty thousand more miles than uh, the standard warranty. And to me, I don't put that many miles on the car, so I wanted the I wanted the length. So, and that was no charge. They had no problem doing that. So, I think we're cool, Lou. And it's a a good thing to. It's a good feeling to be able to get in the car and not worry about it uh, dripping coolant or anything. And a funny aside to this whole thing. Because before we went on the air, you and I were talking about our tax bills. Back in um, a few weeks ago, I was um, at my tax preparer's office and I was telling him about the the trials and tribulations with the fiat coolant leaks. And he said and I told him about, you know, my experience with executive customer service. And he had a very similar experience with his Volvo. He has a brand new about a year old now, an S90 plug in hybrid Um uh volvo s90 the s90 is the big sedan and they make a plug-in hybrid version of that he loves the car apparently this is uh going back maybe six months ago he got hit by a hummer in that car all the airbags deployed uh the car was at the uh body shop for like two months and they needed to get the headliner uh replaced because they had to put all the um Airbags back in uh, the, like the curtain airbags back in the headliner. They needed to replace the headliner and it was back ordered. And they were waiting and they said, like, oh, it might be six weeks, it might be eight weeks, we're not sure. And the car had already been out of service for two months. And he was just, you know, at this point, he was pretty pissed off. So he, he, did some internet searches and he emailed the president of of volvo in sweden even though volvo is owned by the chinese now they still obviously have an executive uh, group in in sweden and within like 48 hours they had a headliner being shipped to his body shop to get replaced so that's the power lou of executive customer service and how it works
2: I've got a couple things to say. One is it's always who you know and finding the right person. So I agree with you there.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: But secondly, I think we should shake your peat. I think we should pick it up and shake it.
0: <laughs> and make sure there's nothing left.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like a bag of popcorn getting the butter all around it. And uh, I also want to take and make sure there's actually fluid still in it.
0: Oh, there exactly. is. Yeah. I've checked that, believe me. I, I have checked that. Yeah, that, that's the funny thing. It's like, well, it's not leaking anymore. Well, maybe there's no fluid in there left to leak. <laughs>
2: yeah. But it's that's- interesting,
0: You—you you, the thing you had just mentioned, though, my, my caveat to this whole thing is if when you get to a point, and hopefully you won't get to a point where you, you have to go above and beyond regular customer service and get to the executive level and stuff like that, but it's all about talking to the right people, and then telling them exactly what you expect to happen because at the point when my car was in the dealer for the sixth time and I made it clear to both the dealer and executive customer service without exactly saying it in so many words I just said if I get my car back after the sixth time and it still leaks we're going down a different road meaning buy back or money back or whatever so but luckily we haven't had to do that so but it is talk to the right people and tell them exactly what you expect to happen and what you want uh, ultimately at the end if once things work out because You know, it's in their best interest to to be um, you know responsive to their customers' needs. And and as I said before, too, the dealer was never. I had a very good experience with the dealer. Other than them not being able to diagnose the problem correctly, they were always very accommodating. They were picking up the car and delivering it back to me because I got tired of driving fifty-four miles round trip. And you know, they were very good about that. So I can't fault them for that. So hopefully. You know, this is all behind me at this point. And on the dealer thing, too, getting back to my tax preparer's Volvo, he had one other interesting story, too. He said when he initially bought that car, he found one locally in the Chicago area. Uh, Well, he was at a local Chicago dealer, and they didn't have one in stock, and they located one somewhere else in the country, but the dealer, the local dealer, did not want to get the car shipped here. For sale, which is weird because I always thought that that dealers are more than happy to do that for customers when you find a car that you know the, the well the dealer in Ohio has the silver you 're looking for, so we can get that to you, but they didn 't want to do that, so he basically went online, he found another one in San Antonio, bought it from them, and they had it delivered no problem so <laughs> I just, you know, that's just another thing to to think about when when you're dealing with this stuff. But, or, you know, right now, because of the lockdowns and, and, and people not uh, being in offices, car dealers are, you know, begging people to, to buy their cars now. So maybe it would have been a different story, um, you know, a few months later than that. But have you ever had an experience like that, Lou, either with executive customer service across any uh category whether it's cars or or other things or or have you just always been lucky so to speak
2: well um no i haven't been lucky all the time i mean there's times where i call it the simple one is you know can i speak to your supervisor mm-hmm. whether that's uh, calling at&t about a phone issue or um and all of a sudden magically uh, your phone issue goes away <laughs> when you get to the second level yeah. uh, but i mean uh, speaking specifically of cars, yeah, there's there's times where um, um, my motto is if you could talk to the person at the highest level. I mean, sometimes it's an oil change, right? You don't have to talk to anybody, but when it gets to be a six-time visit or a, a three-time visit or a two-time visit, um, you know, again, if level one doesn't uh, complete the deal, so to speak, you ask to speak to their manager, and then if the manager doesn't complete the deal, and you have to speak to the owner of the company, and you know that that's um, You know, the path you don't want to take, but sometimes the best path to to get where you're at. And and you've had a good experience, and and it's good that uh, uh, this will finally be off the car guy's report, hopefully, for a long, long time.
0: (laughs) We won't be disparaging my poor little Fiat anymore.
2: (laughs) Be, dri- be driving it. That's yeah,
0: exactly. Big, I know. It's got 1,100 yeah. miles on it now. I can finally start driving it other places than the dealer. So <laughs> I can yeah. ho- hopefully enjoy that. If you right. enjoy what Lou and I are doing here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, be sure to tell a friend about our program, the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, our email inbox is always open for your uh, comments, suggestions, criticisms complaints, or praise. You can email us anytime at carguysreport at hotmail.com. You know, Lou, on the uh, program here, the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, we've talked uh, here and there about uh, all the modern uh, safety devices that are on cars. They're called ADAS is the acronym for it, or Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, and you know, the things like automatic cruise control and, and radar cruise control and lane departure warnings. And this comes from the uh, Detroit Free Press. It was in the paper um, a while back that I thought was interesting. The uh, car manufacturers and their suppliers are trying to standardize on the names of these various safety features. According to uh, Greg Brannon, who's AAA's director of automotive engineering and industry relations, he says ADS features features are increasingly common but there's a lot of misinformation based on names that don't make their purpose or function clear and according to AAA, it says automakers use 20 different names for adaptive cruise control which uses the radar and other sensors to automatically maintain distance with the vehicle head and he said there's 40 different names for automatic emergency braking (laughs) so it's just like you know if, if, if you're not like as as into cars as we are if you're just the average consumer, how the hell are you going to know what half this stuff is? If there's 40 different names for automatic emergency braking, that's when the uh, vehicle will slow or stop uh, by itself uh, when a collision is imminent. I mean, that's just, I couldn't even think of 40 different names for that. Could you? I mean,
2: well, it reminds me of uh, my times when I lived in Alaska for many years and the Eskimos would teach me the 40 different meanings (laughs) for the word snow. For snow, so, um, yeah. So in other words, there's a wet snow and a powdery snow and a damp snow, and that can actually save your life based on what kind of snow it is. But since we're not going to be snow jobbed on these car deals, uh we don't want to uh make it confusing for car people. Um yeah, I, I think it's I think it's confusing enough and uh let's go back to something that that did make a lot of sense, which is standardizing. So whenever you can standardize something anything and make, plumbing fixtures yeah plumbing fixtures the same size screws etc all through the car or whatever bolts or you know whenever you can make it easier so you don't have to keep switching out tools and swapping this and swapping that and just make it uh who would have thought enjoyable for the uh, consumer um yeah no that's that's a treat but uh Yeah, to give it 40 different names. um. I
0: mean, a lot of that is just pure marketing, though, because they want to have this sexy-sounding name or this techno-sounding name. You know, Because if you just say automatic emergency braking, that sounds kind of dull. So they're going to think of something else. But then it, it gets lost on the consumer, though, too, because they said the profusion of names, some reasonably intuitive, others as spacey as DISTRONIC, which I believe is Mercedes automatic cruise control says it makes it hard for shoppers to compare safety systems and it does because uh, unless you put it in parentheses distronic is whatever then they'll understand it but it gets back to the marketing hype and things like that but um the uh, Society for Automotive Engineers. It says a list of terms for basic features. The SAE International Tax Force on Safety System Standards and Names agreed uh, on is making the rounds for approval. So uh, hopefully the Society of Automotive Engineers will get this sorted out with the uh, car makers and their suppliers. But I just I I, I don't even like I said, I can't even think of I'd have to sit down and probably spend 20 minutes thinking of at least five different names for automatic emergency braking, but 40 I mean that's just insane it means like every car make out there has a different name for it because there's there's not even 40 different car manufacturers out there you know it's just right. it, it's crazy I, yeah.
2: yeah with um, one of the areas that we're used to them changing names on is color of paint.
0: Oh sure. Well, that that's a that's a an emotional thing. They want to. Ooh, I have you know. Your car is lavender, and they call it you know, twilight, heather mists, lavender dewdrop or something like that and it's like well it's purple you know or plum crazy which is a great name for a color i always thought but um but that's a marketing thing there too i mean but how many different shades of white can you have you were saying like 40 40 different names for snow you can have all kinds of different names for white or even black there's obsidian black there's onyx black there's um uh black black there's um you know, just a, a bunch of different names for one color. So it, it, you make a good point there, but that's something that's never going to get standardized on other than just, right. <laughs> I want a white so, car.
2: <laughs> well, so back to your point. So so when it comes to things like paint, okay, we don't mind the marketing guys getting, you know, going ballistic and going nuts and having some fun with it. You know, go man orange or, you know, mango orange or, you know, uh, go man, go this or something like that. That's fine. Or, you Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, when it comes to actual parts on a car like lights and brakes and things like that, you don't need to confuse the – the stopping uh, centurical force division considers it – what, what, what?
0: Or the center-high-mounted stop lamp, the chismal (laughs) and and the the prindle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So whenever we can – the uh, the comfort control device, you mean the seat. Yeah, the seat, right. Yeah, you know, so – Whenever we can make it a little more standard, so we can all understand, I think that's a good idea.
0: But it is interesting, though, too, and I, I kind of take pride in the fact that we've talked about a lot of this stuff before it gets into the press, which is neat because we were talking in several shows ago, probably I don't know, ten or twenty shows ago, we were talking about the mobile uh, companies that come out to the body shops to uh, calibrate all the stuff remotely instead of having the body shop because they can't do it themselves, and having instead of having them take it to the dealer this these companies come to you and lo and behold like four weeks later i I found an article in the paper about that exact topic and of course we covered it first lou here on the car guys report that's why we are informed automotive That's awesome. It is. It truly is. And, you know, Lou, here, here's a here's a uh, a blurb that I came across in the magazine, The Week, which is kind of a, a compendium of news and information and lifestyle stuff comes out every week. And they just have interesting things in there sometimes. And this was under the heading. And for those who have everything, and sometimes I think that you kind of fit that category. So you can uh, ask your wife, you can slip it under her pillow for next Christmas what you want because. Cause i'm sure you're a hard guy to buy for don't settle for a garage like everyone else's you can get a supercar capsule garage lou it's built by a s zarketti group it's an italian architectural firm and literally these things look like the simplest way to describe it would be a a glass paneled cargo um container. You know like a, a shipping container but it's got yeah. four posts it's got a huge light on the top and all the walls are glass so it looks like a jewel box for your car and you can stack them you can have them built into your house so when you're in the living room you open the curtains and you're and you're looking right at your car inside this jewel box it's it's amazing i went to their website supercarcapsule.com and and the designers create custom showrooms that can be stacked in a tower, integrated with your home as a glowing sp- space that flatters the car and puts it behind a wall of glass. And the only thing is, Lou, uh, I know you've, you're you're pretty well off, but you got to you got to have at least fifty grand in your pocket to buy one of these things. So <laughs> right,
2: I have to be a lot more well off. And I, might I slow you down for just a minute? My wife would be happy to share with you all the problems that go along with 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 Lou the, the, the problem is we try to keep the shows to an hour or less so she, she wouldn't have enough time to tell you all the problems. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, <laughs> but the uh, uh the bonus to that jewelry box so to speak for your car supercar now, capsule you know, your car capsule I mean talk about a true car guy and let's hope that someone actually buys a whole stack of those things that would be from from a from a oh my gosh standpoint that's pretty cool but uh, wow that's That's uh, at least for my current budget. Uh, And hopefully, Mark, I'm hoping you're prophetic, and that's my problem is Lou's got too many jewelry box garage (laughs) connections and too many cars in them. Well, to take that... to
0: to take it one level higher too it was literally, I just read it a few days ago, every Friday in the Wall Street Journal there's a section called Mansion and it's basically their real estate section and they always highlight these, you know, 20 30, 40 million dollar homes and they always highlight in addition to those kinds of homes, they highlight you know, a home that somebody bought and renovated and there's, I can't I'm not exactly sure where this one was, I can't remember if it was, somewhere in Europe I think and basically The guy did one of these—basically, he did his own supercar capsule in his house where he built basically an indoor garage with a glass panel so— Whenever you're in the family room or the living room, or whatever, you see the car, and he's got a whole bunch of different cars, so he just changes it out every week and brings a different car in, and uh, it, that's actually pretty cool. So, yeah, that's when you got a lot of money and you just want to show off all your toys. So, it's just kind of a neat, uh, a neat thing to talk about, and um, I wanted to bring it up here on the Car Guys Report.
2: Well, you know, Mark, if if that person's watching, that they're listening to the channel, this is a good time to say contact us, and what's that? What's that email address? Address, it is car
0: guys report out. at hotmail.com
2: if you have a jewelry box
0: for your car carguysreport guys <laughs> report, <laughs> report at hotmail.com we're Beautiful. at the uh, we're at the point of the program where we always talk about a car that uh, we found uh, interesting, either bought or sold or for sale uh, online, whether it's uh, Hemmings.com, Bringatrailer.com. And Bringatrailer has had some really cool stuff as of late. And this one uh, was a few months ago on Bringatrailer. Not an exceptionally rare car, but as a car that... Um, I've actually thought for maybe 10 seconds I I wouldn't mind owning one, and then I thought, well, I don't know. But this was a 1995 Lotus Esprit S4. The S4 was the turbo 2.2-liter four-cylinder that they put into the the Lotus Esprit in in the mid-'90s. This car was Norfolk Mustard in color, which is yellow. We were just talking about car colors. Over Raven Leather, which is black <laughs> and um, it's a little garish just because it's not exactly your fly yellow that you see on a Porsche or a Ferrari It's more really more like a mustardy yellow not quite a school bus yellow but uh, not exactly the most incredible color for a car that is actually very cool looking. Had black aftermarket alloy wheels on it. A somewhat, uh, a handful of modif- uh, aftermarket modifications. I said the aftermarket wheels look terrible on the car because they raised it up too high. They're like 20s or twenty-one. So the car sits, I think, too high. But uh, it was one of 82 built in 1995 and one of 4 in this Norfolk mustard color. 55,000 miles showing on the odometer. And it sold for twenty-seven thousand six hundred and forty which I, Lou, think is kind of an average price for a Lotus Esprit. Um, Those cars, great looking on the outside. The interiors were a little iffy, and, of course, the build quality almost 30 years ago, 25 years ago from Lotus obviously wasn't the best, but I think there was an average price. So I would actually say this was well sold and probably well bought. Uh, The only thing that scared me is the fact that it had a certain amount of aftermarket stuff on it, which I don't know. Obviously, that affected the price a little bit. If you're a purist, uh, you'd want it all Lotus. But I assume you've done a, a spree or two on the uh, on the channel before your popular "My Car" story with Lou YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, I, I've done a few Lotuses. The, the one thing that's neat about that car in particular is it's a, it's it's a definite head turner.
0: Oh, it is! It's a beautiful car. I've always thought yeah. it's awesome looking.
2: It, the, the challenge with that car is it's a confusing car, because even the car enthusiast looks at the car and goes, is that a Ferrari? Is it? They, they don't know what it is. Yeah. And, um, or a kit car. No, I mean,
0: people might not know, especially nowadays. I mean, the only time I really see uh, a bunch of Lotus Esprits is when I go to the British car show every year, and there's usually a handful of them there. But even I say a handful because there's maybe like three or four of them. But you, don't, you just don't see them on the road ever. I mean, you never see the only lotuses I see on the road these days are modern ones, like in a Exige or something like that. But even that's pretty few and far between.
2: Yeah, I just uh, I just checked the channel as we're talking. I'm doing it uh, live, and there's actually four of them on the channel. Okay, cool. And one of them is the one that Julia Roberts had her butt in.
0: Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> are her is her butt print still on the seat? <laughs> I'll I'll
2: find that out for you. <laughs> And, and, I, and I hope so.
0: And obviously that, that, that added to the price of the car, right? With provenance like that, you're not going to be uh, cleaning that seat anytime soon, right?
2: Yeah, the fact that Richard Gere's been in the car, I could care less.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like the show Back to You. It's an Opie show with legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. They talk about life, travel, food, and the long list of what bugs them. They've always got something up, up their sleeve and completely. Uh, to complain about so you want to tune in to back to you you uh, never know when one of their many many famous pals might stop by as well it's an Opie show it's called back to you it's a great podcast it's available on OPIShows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and that's where you'll also find this podcast it's the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with uh, lou costable there's been a handful of stupid fast uh, modification YouTube videos I guess that's the easiest way to say it uh, that I've stumbled across I don't I don't uh, actually much to your dismay Lou I don't exactly troll YouTube for these I wait till they appear in in one of the uh, digital versions of the car magazines this one came from Road and track but I did see one on a Porsche turbo just the other day too but this one caught my eye just because of the fact that we're all familiar with um, McLarens, Awesome cars, uh, considered some of the highest performance um, factory production cars you can buy uh, in this day and age. And this was something that came from the uh, digital uh, edition of Road and Track. A McLaren 720S with three easy modifications was turning eight second quarter miles. And at the end of the quarter mile, Lou, guess what their speed was?
2: I'm going to say 180. Uh, you're
0: close, 160 at the end of a quarter, which is amazing because most cars will do, most high-performance cars, if you're doing a, a mid-11 uh, quarter mile, you'll be probably doing about 130 at that. Anytime you get sub-11, you're doing fantastic. And then you get, when you get in below 10, it's just unbelievable. It, it was also pulled 0 to 60 in 1.8 seconds and all wow. they and all they did yeah all they did to this was they had a downpipe exhaust mod road legal toyo proxies race tires and um a dyno spectrum tune so they did some tweaking to the uh to the ecu but then they only just did those two other mods uh, really s- super sticky tires and a downpipe exhaust mod to make it breathe easier and they got this thing running just unbelievable um, you know uh times and this thing was rear-wheel drive too it's not even all-wheel drive so i'm just thinking if this thing was all-wheel drive it would even have to put the power down even better so it's just amazing that uh you can get you know a car that you can literally go out and buy you need probably about 150 grand i don't know what these go for used but um i know new they're two three hundred thousand but 160 at the end of a quarter mile, um, running eights, and uh, a zero to 16, 1.8 seconds. I mean, that's just, that's just mind blowing. And, um, the, the Porsche, uh, turbo, uh, video that I came across the other day too, I didn't read all the different mods in it, but it was doing like zero to 16, 1.8 seconds too. It's just like, I just can't even fathom that. I mean, 1.8 seconds is, you know, 1,001, 1,000, and that's it. And you're at 60 miles an hour already. I mean, it's just, it just well, that, blows you away.
2: Well, that's interesting. A uh, couple of things. One on the McLaren 720S, I really think they got the design just right in that car. Yeah. Uh, I thought the ones that are the, the, the 675, and I think it's a 575 or something like that. I mean, it's, the McLaren expert, no, but... Um, there was a little too much of a happy face on the front of the McLaren, mm-hmm. and and the 720 they got the balance just right between the happy face and the, you know I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a pretty cool car face uh, going, but uh, now to combine that with boy you're only going to see the tail lights which by the way are outstanding on the car. <laughs> um, th- those numbers are are incredible. I mean if you if you get in a car that that can do. You know, 2.8. Oh, Oh, yeah. Anything
0: under, yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, 3.0 is about the the, you know, the new Corvette, I think, does it in 2.8, but, you know, there, there's a bunch of cars like Porsches and Ferraris that are, you know, 2.9, three, three that's like the thing, and now it's like becoming, the, the target is becoming two, 2 or less, and at some point, you just run into a wall of physics. I mean, I even can't believe that they're doing 1.8s, because that almost seems like it, it defies the law of laws of physics at that point, but I'm not a scientist, I don't play one on TV, I don't play one on this podcast, so, um, you know, what what is well, the I'm ultimate lower to... limit on that?
2: Well, I'm just trying to think what's going to physically happen to your body because well, the g forces been... are yeah. And I say that because um, the, I think one of the fastest startups I've been in has been a Tesla It mm-hmm. was all wheel drive yeah. and um, literally it felt like when the person who was uh, I was test driving it said you know step on it. Uh, it literally like tickled me because yeah. of the G forces in your in your stomach and your sides and um, but yet I'm thinking at 1.8 you probably are detaching retinas. I mean, uh, <laughs> or
0: they're going through the rear of your head and embedding themselves yeah, in your brain or something. Yeah,
2: yeah, that that's where your glasses, if you're wearing sunglasses, you know, end up in the back of your head instead of the front of your yeah. head or something like that. I mean, that, that, that I agree with you. That's starting to get uh, uh, harmful to the body. <laughs>
0: Well, it just has to, you know, at some point you just can't make a car accelerate faster than, I mean, at 1.8 seconds. I mean, are we ever going to see a zero to 60 time of of one second? I don't know. Or even below that. There's just some limit to to getting a mass of, you know, 3,000 pounds moving at a certain speed has always got to take a certain amount of time. So there's got to be some... You know, ultimate lower limit of where where that would happen. I I just can't see it, unless it's gonna be like oil prices and they go negative.
2: (laughs) Who's actually going back in time? Exactly. Yeah. In in, in his DeLorean. Exactly. Going so fast that the Earth is actually rotating the opposite direction. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> and toilets yeah. are swirling the other <laughs> other direction when you flush them. <laughs> it's getting crazy. Here's a, a quick uh, a note. We got to take a quick break here at uh, the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We would like to say, uh, would like you uh, to stay home and listen to OPI shows. You'll be saving the world by doing that, and make sure you wash your hands. Mine are nice and clean, and so are Lou's. Somebody's at the door, Lou. So we'll take a break, and we'll be right back.
1: On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we talk about Deutsche Bundesliga und und der Free This is fantastic. We've got some soccer in the German Bundesliga coming back, as well as
0: talking about, hopefully, the return of the English Premier League very soon.
1: Live soccer. We're talking about live soccer. We are back. Uh, Be sure to check us out. We're an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks with Adam and Rick previously on Lasano and Friends. My name is Ryan Cheverini. I'm the co-host of Windy City Live. The shorter you are, the more famous you are. So that is true. Yeah. Well, then explain Will Farrell, because you've had him. Yeah, he's
2: a big dude. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. he's like 6'4". So <laughs> Will
1: Farrell was awesome. Will, um, you could talk to him just like we're
0: talking right now yeah. when the light's not on. Yeah. As soon as the camera light goes on, uh, you can't ask him anything serious. <laughs> like, I think I asked him. I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a little bit about, you know, yeah. your things that you like to watch, this, whatever. He goes, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. I come, We come out and I go, hey, you know, you've been making people laugh your whole life. What's the movie that you watch late at night when you're flipping channels and you just
1: have to watch it because it's so funny? And he's like,
0: "Um, you know, uh, probably uh, Booty Call.
1: (laughs) Get more Lasano and Friends now on Lasano.com.
0: And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. We're having a great time here talking about uh, all kinds of automotive things. And, you know, Lou, one of the things that I remember uh growing up um, in the middle early to mid seventies was the classic motor home that General Motors Corporation uh made, the classic GMC motorhome. Do you remember those?
2: Oh yeah, they're, they're whoppers.
0: They're, they're just they were very very ahead of their time though I mean the huge kind of um, I don't know how to describe it kind of a pod like uh, shape I mean rounded corners kind of like a big rectangle but with radius edges and radius corners fiberglass they were front wheel drive and uh, I came across this was from our friends at uh, Haggerty. this was just kind of a retrospective looking back on uh, what I call the magic that was the GMC motorhome apparently what happened was a lack of communication between GM's passenger car drivetrain group and General Motors' truck and coach division meant the premature death of one of the most advanced vehicles that GM made in the 1970s. This a vehicle that proved exceedingly forward-thinking in its vision, and its demise was so ill-timed that for, for the first time in the company's history, perhaps the first time ever, GM sold uncompleted vehicles to the public. And these things, basically, They have a cult following these days. Um, They say it's basically unclear why GM decided to get into the boom and bust RV market in the early 70s, and they just— Basically, they decided to to do this. And what it is, is that at the time, what made this GMC motorhome so revolutionary was at the time, most motorhomes were built on heavy duty truck chassis. The rest of the construction is more like a mobile home than a truck or automobile. And we all know like what the classic old Winnebago's look like they did. They look kind of like a mobile home on wheels. But um the uh, Gia Motorhome was just something that was uh, completely different. They used Oldsmobile's relatively compact and utilized power package, front wheel drive and it was a fiberglass body. Some of the renderings that they had originally were just amazing but the drivetrain originally featured the 1966 feature that was featured in the 1966 Tornado was uh, what powered the motorhome the 455 cubic inch v8 and turbo 425 transaxle and that was novel too because the automatic transmission was separated from the torque converter and the planetary gear set so connecting them was a multi-purpose built multi-link chain that allowed the transmission to be rotated in place next to the crankshaft or crankcase with its output shaft facing forward into the final drive for the front wheels and gm mastered that with the tornado back in uh, Sixty-six. They carried that over into the front-wheel-drive Eldorados, and then they, they put it into uh, making this thing a front-wheel-drive motorhome. The V8 had plenty of power, plenty of torque, uh, eventually stretched uh, the GMC motorhomes, eventually stretched to 26 feet long. Uh, front-wheel-drive uh, platform allows them to use a trick setup to run four rear wheels. So instead of a dually, they actually had four single wheels, two on each side in the back instead of a dually. So that would give them more... More room inside obviously because there's no rear axle the wheels tires coil springs and the airbags to so the auto leveling system sat outside the perimeter of the frame and this fuel tanks rested safely inside the frame where the rear axle would have been so it allowed for a completely flat floor stretching from the front of the motorhome to the back and that also allowed for a lower center of gravity which uh allowed for better handling a lower ride height improved uh, ingress and egress getting in and out of the motorhome and better uh, aerodynamics because the underside was smooth so i mean it's like they did so many things that were right with this thing had huge panoramic windows they didn't have any sliders which are those segments of the trailers or motorhomes nowadays that are motorized and kind of slide out from the side when you're parked they didn't they didn't have anything like that back then but um it used a uh a welded aluminum body uh frame onto the chassis so actually maybe it wasn't fiberglass i thought for some reason these things were fiberglass, but um, they said the body looked like something out of Star Trek. Uh, GM designer Paul Deason sketched a radical body that would have been at the home in one of Sid Mead's landscapes and much of the basic shape survived intact uh, into production. Oh yeah, the use of fiberglass. Okay, so it had... um, and had some aluminum in it but then the body was fiberglass that's what i thought the use of fiberglass allowed for smooth flowing shapes again like uh unlike the boxes on wheels that Winnebago was making at the time and a variety of color and um striping schemes were available too it came in two versions 23 and 26 foot versions a uh, ton of different interior and and uh interior layout and decor options and this is funny when you look back at the price 26 foot gmc motorhome when it first came out lou was priced at 14 $13,569. 13569 So a thousand less for the twenty-three foot version. But if you convert those numbers from $72, it'd be eighty nine thousand and eighty-three thousand dollars today. But that's still a pretty good price considering I don't know if you've shopped motorhomes lately, but they're pretty darn expensive when you uh, when you get up there a total of 12,921 motorhomes were sold from 72 to 78 and while GM had a contractor trim the interiors on most motorhomes a small number went to specialty converters to made into ambulances, command centers and the like and uh, it says, since the body was made of fiberglass and aluminum and the suspension components were used uh, were made by a division used to making city buses and heavy duty trucks it's not surprising that the vast majority of those almost 13,000 motorhomes are still on the road today there's more than 7,000 in the official registry, an estimate as many as 9,000 of these GMC motorhomes are still in use. And um, so they just have this huge, uh, you know, kind of a cult following these days. In 1977, in November of 77, uh, GM announced that they would be discontinuing production of the motorhome, and uh, they just basically said that, um, you know, we tried it, we did it, and that's basically all there is to it. Now, the, the, the other caveat to this story is what we talked about at the beginning when GM actually sold unfinished vehicles to the public. Usually the manufacturers, when they have unfinished stuff, they just crush them and destroy them. But they said here... An Ohio motorhome dealer bought 1,361 transmissions and final drives at the sale price of $495 each for the set, marked down from $2,050. And these were units that were in stock as of late, as of 1983. And that is perhaps the only time that GM, General Motors has sold uncompleted vehicles to the public. Um, the automaker held a sale at the Pontiac assembly plant and invited the general public to come in and make bids on unfinished motorhomes so i don't think we'll ever see a time again where where that would uh would happen but i always remember them lou being like kind of a not a pale yellow but kind of a yellow and then i think there was like an avocado green it was almost like the kitchen colors of the era the avocado green and the uh, goldenrod gold and then like a a, a beige or, or brown color or something like that but i'm thinking lou that you should get one of these things and and take it to carlisle and and live in well, that.
2: Well the word you're thinking of that color back in that time frame now would be called drab. Yeah. Um yeah, they they were uh they were matte finishes before there were such things as matte finishes or in, in style. Um the uh, challenge with it is when you open the door, the shag carpet that you get stuck on, <laughs>
0: and the paneling, uh, the wood paneling,
2: the wood paneling and the shag. The wood paneling wasn't bad; you could get the slivers <laughs> out with a tweezer. But <laughs> the uh, the shag carpet, I mean, that could that could catch you. You know, I mean, you, you know, it was almost like Velcro. You could throw something in there and just stick.
0: Well, so, that's uh, the danger when you buy one of these things used. Who knows what? Uh, don't, just don't bring a black light to your uh, vehicle inspection. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It you know it was before the disco era, so that there was no disco balls needed, but um anywho uh yeah Lou will probably not be getting any mobile homes anytime soon, so sports cars sure mobile homes I think i'm I think I'm
0: good there. I, th- I kind of remember my dad being enamored with those two. He never thought about buying one, but I just remember, like, when we would take the famous uh, Vernon family vacations in the 1969 Buick uh, LeSabre that, um, you know, he always had a—he kind of was enamored by the whole RV thing. And I remember we actually looked at some RVs at one point, but we never got serious about buying one. But that was kind of in the time frame when these things were out. But they were always considered pretty much a, a, a high-end Cadillac-type product, Um uh, um, and it was just a its a neat time, I guess, is what I'm trying to say in General Motors' existence in the mid-'70s, why they decided to get into motorhomes, the fact that it was front wheel drive, it was fiberglass. It just had a, a lot of really cool things on it. So I just wanted to, to highlight that here on the program and hopefully uh, bring back some memories. If you are listening to this program, the uh, Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, and you either had a GMC motorhome or you had experience experience. Maybe you had a friend that had one, or you you spent a summer driving around in one. Hey, we'd love to hear about it. CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. And whenever you're listening to the Car Guys Report, make sure that... Um you uh, take some time to uh, rate us and subscribe to us. It's very easy to subscribe. Once you do, you'll get an automatic notification when there's new uh, content, which is once a week. And when you rate us, you're being nice to us. We've got some great uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we'd certainly like to uh, get a few more. We're available not only on Apple Podcasts, but on Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can find us at opishows.com. That's O-P-P-I h you can also search radio misfits on google you can also just search for the car guys report on google and they'll still steer you right there and just to remember that whenever you tune into any podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Everything is totally free, and it's listening at your terms, at your own uh, pace, on your own device, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop. You can do it in the car, you can do it while you walk, you can do it anywhere, at any time. You can replay, rewind, delete, go back, whatever you want. It's listening on your own terms, and that's what podcasting is all about. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable. And Lou, I'm been looking forward to this Uh, we do uh, this Uh, part of the program where we always want to spend a few minutes talking about your popular YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. Tons of great thousands actually of great car videos and we play the My Car Story with Lou guessing game where you uh, give me three cars that you have featured on your uh, YouTube channel and I have to try to guess which one had the most views. So tell us more about that.
2: So um the Car guy, uh, the car Guys Report features My Car Story with Lou because uh, we have lots of fun with videos besides just podcasts. So if you go to YouTube and search My Car Story with Lou, uh, the channel would come up. And then if you could subscribe, hit the bell, you'll be able to see all of the uh, cars so here's the game the game is uh mark is going to pick which one has the most views now just for clarity (laughs) it could be somebody else's channel and somebody else could have different uh you know uh, views with the same cars that i'm videoing but uh, this is specific to my car story And uh, I usually start off with the oldest car first, and then I go to the newest model, and Mark has to pick them in order of which one has the most views on the channel. And we're usually giving it a month or so so that we can get kind of a mature uh, number on the channel. So we're starting with our first one, our oldest one, the 1964 Pontiac GTO Post Coupe oh, in in blue with a 389 engine and a ride. And so a, that's number one. The first Pontiac GTO is a 64, so it's the 64 Pontiac Post Coupe. Um, the next one, in year order, is a nine rarely seen, by the way, a 1968 Dodge Mr. Norm's Dart hmm. GSS in green, and M code 440 engine sound. Wow. Now, I do want to share with you that on the Mr. Norm's Dart. The 68, this is the thing that in uh, Chicago at Grand Spalding Dodge, Mr. Norm uh, was commissioned some cars. It actually has on the side tag that it's a Dart with a 383. Hmm. But they commissioned 50 of these cars to be quote-unquote M codes that you would check that box, the M code box, and you could put the 440 power plant in it.
0: So is Mr. Norm kind of like a Yanko or a Nikki kind of yes. dealer yes. mod guy? Yes. Cool.
2: So, uh, uh, and, and actually, instead of the cars at the time were called um, GTS. And the GSS, what Mr. Norm did is he took the additional S from the GTS, took out the T, and put a red badge behind the S. Uh, We'll call it shadowing. So you have a G S that's red in the center to make his distinctive, Um, although it had the trickery badge on the side saying 383 when it was actually the 440. Hmm. And now, the did last, they do
0: that? Why didn't they bother changing it? Was that just to have fun? Because I know some people do that. They keep, you know, uh, a, a lower cubic inch tag on the outside when they've got something much bigger under the hood. Was that just for fun, or they just didn't bother, or what?
2: Well, remember, it's coming from Grand Spalding Dodge, so it was the GFF, Oh, Okay. The Grand Spalding Sport, if you will. Okay. Rather than the Grand Touring Sport. Okay. So, so the last of our three is a 1978 Ford Mustang II with the Rally Appearance Package <laughs> in white. Is
0: that that's not the one that looks like. Well, they had a Cobra Edition too, didn't they? With white with blue stripes, the Mustang II. I remember that the, one.
2: The 78 was the probably most psychedelic stickered Mustang of those Mustang Twos, um, but the Rally Appearance Package was a. Pure white with a t-top on it wow. and no spoil, no spoiler in the back. So, what
0: was under the hood of that four, thing? Four cylinder V-eight. Uh, I think
2: it was a six cylinder.
0: Okay. I you know it's funny that a car like that seems like it could do very well, but the Mister Norm thing, I just think that's a very cool car. You're never going to hardly ever see one, so I'll go with Mister Norm number one, the Mustang two number two and the GTO in third place?
2: Well, first of all, you are dead nuts on on the first one. The Mr. Norms had 15,557 wow. views. That's good. And for the Mopar people, they went absolutely ballistic because they were like, we don't see these. How did you find one? Yeah. I, th- I think there's only about five or seven of them left. Wow. Because it's a dart from the 60s, yeah. right? Yeah, And And came out of the Midwest. So that means that you have about an Longevity. hour and a half. Yeah, you have about an hour and a half in snow that the panels <laughs> fall completely off. Um, lastly, the uh, the Mustang actually came in third oh. at thirty five hundred seventy two uh, views, and the Pontiac Post Coupe GTO with a ride came in at five thousand two hundred thirty six. Okay. But uh, we got number one straight up. So that oh, well. was,
0: that was pretty good. small consolation, right? <laughs> um well you were saying that the gto had you're saying it has a ride i am not exactly getting what you're saying there
2: yeah so so sometimes not Oh, only, a ride
0: when you went on the ride in the video
2: yeah gotcha yeah. okay
0: so, i was just thinking you were because sometimes you say it's like a 440 with a four speed or this one has the rear overdrive and you're saying a ride i'm like air ride airbags <laughs> and then i'm like no lou went for a ride in the car gotcha which you did which you did with my sob when we did my 96 you went for a yeah. ride with me yeah
2: right so, so when I'm on a, you know so the airbag is in the car when I'm
0: on the ride oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, self deprecation we love it that's that's what we like about being the car guys uh report we just uh, can make fun of ourselves and, and still have fun but uh no you're right um uh, that that actually is um something that people would probably want to look look at and tune in for more is when you're actually in motion and driving around in the car. And maybe you can tell us, I don't know if you want to go here or not, is there any reason why you don't always do a ride? Is it a time constraint? Is it weather? Is it somebody might not want to bring their car out other than just having you view it, you know, uh, videotape it statically, so to speak? Or? Yeah.
2: Um, probably the number one reason is time. Yeah. And I'll be specific. So when I'm at a car show, and I'm uh, let's use, for example, that car show. So I was at Carlisle, and Carlisle's kind enough to be a sponsor to, um, you know, I'll say pay my way out. So when I'm there, their goal is, uh, as well as my goal, is, Lou, let's see if we can get as many cars and as many people interviewed in the time frame that you're here. So seeing that it's a car show, I can't just say, hey, let's jump in your car and let's, you know, do a burnout here with, you know, 50 people surrounding yeah. it because obviously it's just a dangerous situation. Now, that said, when I go to somebody's house and I do a video at their garage, I um, maybe I should just take a moment and just explain kind of the two types of videos. The first video is a review, which is when I'm at a car show and I do the front, the side, the back, the interior, under the hood. And usually I'm there on driving day so we can start it. Okay. And that's the whole review. When I'm at somebody's house, we can do a ride. I can show the car in motion driving by you. Um, Excuse me. I can, I can, um, I can uh, do the, um, uh, uh, go ahead and sneeze by. again
0: if you have to. That's okay.
2: <laughs> no, 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 I, I can. I, I was actually pausing for a second just to like making sure I didn't sneeze. I can. Uh, pa- I can ride the car, uh, drive the car past you, then do the review, and then go in a ride with you in the car, and then show the car one more time in motion, and then do what's called an end screen, which is kind of hey, if you like this video, you might like this next video. Mm. So, so, but yeah, usually it's time. So I guess the second reason would be location. Um, you know, sometimes I'll be videoing at the Muscle Car and Corvette National. Well, those cars are all indoors, so you can't act like a bunch of go karts and just drive them around. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're not they're not going to be too keen on that. You know, who's doing the, the donut in the corner there? <laughs> you know? So, um,
0: but you've been you to, know, to people though too, especially like in Arizona when you've been out like on the mountain roads, and they're like, hey, let's let's go for a ride, and it's even more than a ride; it's a drive.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, uh, well, it's funny you say that. I just came back from there, and uh, we have, uh, uh, I'll highlight a car that'll be coming up probably that people will be able to see by the time this airs, which is, I'm calling it the Ultimate TR3, and uh, that has a ride with it as well. And uh, Spotlight on the roof? What's that?
0: Spotlight in the center of the roof?
2: Yeah, so we're uh, we're you know we drive it past you and then we get in it and we uh, kind of burn up some of the mountains a little bit. Cool. And, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's stupid silly smiles on both of our mentally seven year old faces. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> and and it proves that with a TR three, which only got what about 50, 60 horsepower, if that, that you can except still have fun. Except
2: this one, except this one's the ultimate TR three, <laughs> which I mentioned earlier, and this one's carburation system was built by McLaren. The same McLaren we were talking about with Earlier. That 1.8 seconds. yeah, yeah. so uh, um, you'll have to see the episode, <laughs> but all of the panels on it are aluminum and it's track built. Wow and, um, That's yeah. a light so car to
0: begin with with aluminum panels. That gets scary light.
2: It's, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a light car, and then it's been modified for speed, yeah. along with let's lighten the car's body. So uh, it's uh, it's the ultimate TR3 for sure. Cool. So one of those moments, you know, you said it earlier. We talked about the jewelry box garage cars. Yeah. The kind of person who does this to a TR3 has enough money to buy the jewelry box garage (laughs) cars. So, um, where you, you, um, what did my my uncle used to say? More money than brains.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: um, where you just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever we want to do to it, let's just keep throwing money at it, and that's fine. Yeah, that that'll lighten it by a quarter pound. Sure, let's do that. You know, I mean, it is so funny uh, when
0: it is funny when you uh, not to get off on a huge tangent here, but it is funny when you when you read the uh, articles like you know the the, the Porsche uh, RS3 GT3 RS or whatever. You know, all the little things they do to save, like you said, like eight ounces here and there. Just the little things, like, is it really going to make that much of a difference? But then I guess it's the cumulative effect that you do eight ounces here, a pound here, and before you know it, you've shaved off 50, 60, 80, 100 pounds out of the car. And I guess that does make a difference when you're, you know, in a competition.
2: Some of my favorite, and, and I'm being uh, facetious, my favorite worst time uh, um weight reductions are when they take the actual emblems of the car wow. and turn them into stickers
0: okay like that one example, i haven't heard of before i know that a lot of people take emblems off just to be stealthier or whatever but i've never heard yeah. that as a weight savings that's <laughs> and and a little aerodynamic too because probably would somehow upset a little bit of your of your aerodynamicity right uh so, that's insane
2: So Porsche has done that on a few of their cars. Um, Instead of the the actual emblem that's in your hand, a piece of metal. It's actually a sticker on the hood, as well as I think the first time I seen it was actually Dodge when uh, the Corvette frustrated the Viper, and they said, that's enough with that. We're going to Nuremberg, and we're going to really – they called it the TA, the track attack or time attack. or It's something to that effect um uh it was like 2013 or 2017 uh Dodge Viper that um they made this track attack car and 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 made the front Viper emblem instead of being a piece of usual chunk of metal they said we're just making a sticker on the front of the nose <laughs> Because I
0: know that you know a lot of those track editions, they delete the the metal door handles inside the doors and just put in like a piece of fabric. And you know, obviously, that's going to save a few ounces here and there too. But it's just like something about spending three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a GT3 RS and you get cloth door handles <laughs> inside of the door panel just doesn't sit well with me. It's just wow, that's incredible. Well,
2: let- let, let me let me take one step back from a history lesson standpoint. One of the first cars to be really crazy with a weight reduction was called a Hispano Suiza. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, instead of using metal, would uh, would actually use wood to, to line the doors. And then instead of putting metal on the outside of the doors, would put leather.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah.
2: So the outside of the car is just leather. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's... And Hispano Suizas are beautiful cars. They're awesome and they're big big dollar cars for sure but see that's the kind of cool stuff you can see on lou's youtube channel my car story with lou head on over to youtube to uh, check it out over what now 1700 you're up to uh videos something like that
2: uh i i don't think it's that aggressive just yet i think we're We're approaching 1,500 different cars.
0: Okay, cool. And there's literally just an amazing array of stuff. And just the the example of the Mr. Norm thing, I mean, that's just, you know, a car you just don't see. And and sometimes I wonder how you do it, too. Lou. You just pull this stuff out of your hat and, like, where the heck do you find these things? So well, it's, a, smart. it's a testament to your to your dedication for your YouTube channel, the way that you continue to uh, get all these uh, awesome cars. And uh, once again, that's My Car Story with Lou. Check it out when you have a chance. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, coming up on the next episode of this podcast. It'll be Hidden Headlight Mania, as well as a super cool checkmate gem, plus a lot more. It's all uh, stuff that's coming up, the, up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive special thanks to executive producer tony lasano with opi shows.com opi is hippo spelled backwards o-p-p-i-h shows.com it's distributed by ed silha with radio misfits great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place and that
1: would be radiomisfits.com this OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Proceeding with a presentation of OPI Productions, find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OPIShows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions.
2: Tony, can you shut up?
1: On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we're going to talk to Dave Sinker, a Second City alum, a guy who has performed with some of the greats, like Tim Meadows and Steve
2: Carell, Chris Farley, Jeff Garland. You know, there were people that you toured with, that you performed with, that you knew immediately, yeah, this person's going to be amazing. Amy Sedaris got two oranges, put them in her blouse. <laughs> <so> <laughs> it looked like grass.
1: Was not good to her. <laughs> <laughs> Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com on this week's episode of and friends i like to challenge boys with a little bit of two truths and a lie and a little would you rather
2: and i bring back florida man just to check in and see what's going on in that wild state and i debate what would happen if florida was completely removed from the map all that and more
1: find out on and friends Go any podcasting websites that you listen to and friends on just search for radio misfits or go to opishows.com and friends is not legally binding if you listen to our shows and your ears start to bleed it's not our fault coming
0: up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive we talk about cool cars that have hidden headlights and the social aspects of zebra crosswalk behavior wait what I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on The Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.